it shocking and they only see my crew base knocking they talking my five minutes take them two days stop it what you have tell me will it die with you impact bulletproof so we don't get to boot suit on my blood but we still gonna rock the bluetooth call me a dog but he don't know that it's voodoo sipping stella this my era baby it's a new groove it's water waiting diamonds you could say i chew with bluetooth ice spin no illness i snuck up like a mistress we squeezing like it's citrus we ran it up like finish they want us gone so vicious you on the line i finish it's only been a minute so can i get a witness oh, i seen her on my news feed like who she scary hours spooky he love me cause i'm moody my chef kiss when i'm in it it's a movie What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Jordan. And this is Desmond. And welcome to episode 20 of mm. Two Black Nerds. Two That's zero. right. It's that time, once again, for us to bring you our opinions and hot takes on all things fandom, pop culture, and entertainment. As always, you can find Two Black Nerds wherever you get your podcasts. Anyway. Please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support. And of course, join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Black Nerds. We appreciate that love, y'all. Yes, We're yes, back yes. with another episode. This is the 20th episode of Two Black Nerds. Wow. Um, of course, we are still quarantined, still locked down in our apartments, in our homes. Things are still kind of shaky out there, man. Mm-hmm. It's not a it's not exactly safe to go back outside yet. So we're still on lockdown. But that does not stop the business that we got coming mm-hmm. for y'all. That does mm-hmm. not stop Two Black Nerds. We still got an episode that we want to push out for y'all. Still things that we got to talk about. Um, some big things, some some little things that we want to hit upon. But of course, I wanted to come at you guys again with a brand new episode of the podcast. So with that said, man, we're going to jump right into it this week and start talking about some music um, to, to really start the show off this week. We got a few really big drops that happened this week um, in terms of the music game. And it seems like things are really ramping up in the music industry as we head towards the summer. Unfortunately, we probably won't be able to be outside to really appropriately celebrate a lot of this music. Uh, Unfortunately, but Un, you know, otherwise we can we can listen to this uh, in the privacy and the safety of our own homes. But uh, let's let's get this talking. Um, let's get this started by talking about Drake's new project that he just dropped, um, yeah. Dark Lane demo tapes, which yep, is, yep. I guess, is considered a mixtape. I guess mm. that's what we're calling it. Mm. Technically, it's not. Even though people call it that, <laughs> it's technically not a mixtape. It is what it is. It's a demo tape, right? Um, a demo tape. A, yeah, so a demo tape is uh, essentially for a lot of artists um, what you put together when you, in a way, kind of want to hear yourself. It's like a demo tape is like, man, I'm going to put these tracks together just to see what they sound like, just to see what I sound like. Um, and I think that's what Drake did here, man. He uh, he found all his SoundCloud hits that he probably was never going to put on any album. And he was like, you know, this this is a demo tape, not necessarily a mixtape. Right, right. Um, that's And it's interesting that he decided to put this out almost, I don't know, the way that I look at it now, it almost serves as an announcement for his actual album that's mm-hmm. supposed to come out this summer, which is what he uh, went on Instagram and said. So I don't know if there's any artists out there really other, you know, otherwise besides Drake that would announce an album 
with essentially a, a project in and of itself. But nonetheless, he did drop this <laughs> Dark Lane demo tapes. Um, it is out on all streaming platforms available. And like you mentioned, um, it's a lot of songs that he already released on SoundCloud, a couple of leaks, you yeah. know, that have come out, things that he's sort of put out on his own. Um, really just a collection of songs. And um, there's features on this album from Chris Brown, uh, Young Thug, Playboy Cardi. So it's not necessarily just all him by himself, but um, he, ha- he has a few other you know musicians that are featured on this project um and he dropped it this past thursday at midnight um on all streaming platforms and people were looking forward to this and you know looking forward to what 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 was going to be new on the project and then i think also getting these official sort of high quality mp3 tracks of songs that have just kind of been out there um that we that we've been hearing so Mm -hmm. other than that man that's kind of where we're at it's 14 tracks long about 50 minutes long um this this new project but I guess just off of the you know the first few listens that you've had for the project, what do you think about um, Dark Lane demo tapes? Um, it's okay. <laughs> Long story short, it's okay. Uh, there the tracks that I like, I had already liked. You know, it was like the leaks <laughs> that we liked before your Chicago freestyles. You know, but um, it it is what it is, kind of. Um, there's a couple songs I kind of don't like. Uh, one came out in December. He made a video for War. That song War, I don't rock War. with that. I don't rock with that song. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. <laughs> and then, then he put uh, Tussy Slide on there. You know how I feel about that song. It, yeah, he had he had to put that on there. He had to put it on there. So damn catchy, but not a good song. It's it's annoying, right. man. I still find myself singing it. It's like dang it, I don't want to sing it because it's not good. But it's dang it's catchy. Thankfully, I haven't listened to it enough to really know the 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 words to sing it. So, <laughs> but the, the 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 tune of it still kind of floats mm-hmm. around in my head occasionally, unfortunately. But yeah. Um, what do you think about the project? Man, I, I agree with you. It is what it is. It's not meant to really be anything I think that we take seriously. Yeah. Um, I think, again, it's like, and he made sure to preface it before he put it out. Like, it's just some vibes and some leaks and some things. Da, 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 da. Like, he made sure to preface it so that people didn't come in with the expectation like that. This oh, is they, a, they still did. But see, that's crazy to me that, like, even coming into this, like, you can just tell in the way that it was rolled out, like, Drake has been around for a long time. We know yeah. the effort that he puts into like an actual rollout. So to to kind of judge it as such is uh is interesting it's to me that people have that weird. expectation. Um but you know, it is what it is. Um there are some good tracks out of there that I like. I like mm-hmm. um the joint with future that he had on there, Desire. Um Desire the song Yeah, the song with Chris Brown, um, that he good. had. I really do like that one too. Um yeah, a few good things here and there. I mean, yeah, when to say when in Chicago freestyle, we we had heard those a while ago. Mm-hmm. And I think we we both liked those tracks. They were pretty solid and they, they, they sound great here and I think they were even extended a bit from the from the video versions that we heard. So yeah. um yeah, some some standouts, some things that I'll revisit, like a few tracks that I will. Mm-hmm. Um about half and half. I think the other half, I'm like, I'm good on it. I heard it. Like you mentioned, War. I'm not really, yeah, mm. not really a fan of that. Um, I like the song Losses. Uh, Losses, I really like yeah. That song. Um, yeah. Uh, What's I, the other song? Demon, Demon Time, or Demon? Just like, demons. Just demons. Okay. Well, yeah. Everybody's a demon at this point. I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> demon Time with uh, Beyonce. Beyonce. And and Meg, yeah. Yeah, um, but this, um, a lot of people are mad at that Cardi verse too. By the way, I don't know. Well, he didn't do anything. He just what? came and just like Look, had a couple of ad libs, right? Actually, no, it was a verse. <laughs> was it a verse? It was like a whole <laughs> verse, bro. And I didn't know. I actually had I to. Know. Actually, had to play it back like three times because I didn't know what he was saying. But that's Cardi for you, though, right? But usually, Cardi is on a track, um, su- supposedly sonically, right? Like no one is technically always listening 
to Cardi lyrics like that, if that makes sense. Like when Cardi was on uh, Earthquake, it was like a I'm lot sure. of it was sonic, right? Like you're just listening to the vibe, like oh, this dude is kind of sliding on this, but you don't know what he's saying for the most part at the be- at the, right. the first time you hear. It. And this one is like it just doesn't work. Um, and so I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't know why people expect that much out of Cardi. I think he's fine, cause but I don't know why people have this expectation that he's going to come in on a track and it's going to be amazing. I don't know where that came from. I, I don't know. Because when I saw that on the internet, everybody was like, oh my God, I'm I'm, I'm just going to go straight to that track like with Cardi on it. I'm like, okay, like is he all of a sudden somebody that Maybe we've been like waiting for? It could just be his feet. He has really good features, man, uh, usually. Um, he has a big fan base, too. Uh, I know a lot of people that love Cardi. Um, so. I guess. It is what it is. Yeah, uh, I guess so. Um, I will say, though, like the fact that this is like a demo tape or a mixtape, whatever you want to consider it. It is also interesting that the expectation is lowered because it is such right. Like, I don't know why. I don't know where that all of a sudden became a thing, because at a time, mixtapes mm-hmm. were the most prominent, the most popular That's... way to consume music. And they were judged equally you know, mm-hmm. or comparatively to albums, like full length projects. I think so that's what's, what, what changed. I think that's what makes it different though. Be- that's why it's a demo tape and not a mixtape. Like, uh, if he had actually put a little more energy into this, the songs were in order, right? It's not like we turned on dark lane demo tapes and we expected to hear acid rap or the drought three, right? As I don't know. The energy is just not the same. It's like these, these are just randomly put together versus I made these tracks for Dark Lane demo tapes. This is like, oh, I have a song over here and a song over here. I'm going to put them together. And this is what this is kind of type thing. I think that's what makes it different. He didn't even take credit for putting it together. He put he pretty much said like, yeah, Oliver and 40 put this together. And they, <laughs> yeah. they decided to put it out. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, he's not really owning it all that much. He he, he announced it, of course. Um, yeah. But I, I think that's a that's an interesting point. Um, he was like, fine, because, here, damn, because everybody's like, yeah. you know. And Drake still considers, if you're reading this, it's too late. He still considers that a mixtape. He does, and everyone calls it an album. Um, right. Which I remember he put it out. Um, of course, he uh, he put his energy to the songs, but I remember it was kind of a label push for him. Like, he was for like, sure. I just need to get this out kind of type thing. And a lot of people yeah. really don't understand that to this day. That's 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 a great point um, that there were a lot of external forces that kind of caused him to put that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe he did have a little bit more energy on that project. And honestly, a lot of people, you know, including myself, still go back and listen to that project and have but a really high regard for it. Exactly. But it actually sounds like a mixtape to me, like versus this, you know, like that. That actually sounds like a mixtape. Like he was going crazy on if you're reading this is too late. I think there's just too much confusion. Because then you have a playlist like More Life. What like what is what? Why are we calling that a playlist all of a sudden? What's, Ooh, wait, what's, I haven't heard this. Who, people call that's this a what playlist? he said himself. He, he called he, he deemed, More Life a playlist. He deems it a playlist. That's 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 his categorization of that, that nigga, project. That nigga made that up. That's enough Drake. That, <laughs> he that's makes enough. up everything. That's I'm like Drake. that's that's my thing. Like there's there's too much. There's too much semantics in it all. Um, but, you know, that's belaboring the point. At the end of the day, it's a project, whatever you want to call it. It is It is what it is. It's out there. Um, Darkland demo tapes, it exists for us to consume. Yep. I think we're both about, like, half and half on it. Like, it's cool. It, yeah. it is what it is. But it, It's cool. But 
it's cool. Let's get the real album and we can judge that properly um, yep. as such when it does drop. Hopefully this summer, as he mentioned, um, and we'll see what that looks like. But that wasn't the only music that dropped in the past few days. We also had a huge drop. Broke um, the Internet happened, damn near. Which, of course, was going to do so. I think it was <laughs> this past Wednesday. Um, Megan Thee Stallion and Beyonce. Yep. They decided to join forces and do a remix to Savage. Um that came out obviously since the Beehive and the Pandemonium, and everybody loves it. I saw it everywhere instantly as soon as it came out. Yep. My whole Instagram feed was the reshare of the cover art, mm-hmm. and people were already knowing the lyrics and listening to it five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Yep. Uh, we know that Savage has been a a really big song from her her most recent project that we did review um, in episode eighteen. It's kind of turned into the TikTok song, right? Yep. Like it's it's become the this big TikTok thing. Song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like especially with the quarantine and everything happening. Um, and just when you thought it was losing a little bit of fire, and when it was about to die down, they dropped this remix. Okay. Beyonce, um, Beyonce put her foot on your throat instantly. Instantly, um, obviously, it's it's also. I guess historic in the sense that they're both, you know, Houston natives and right. they, they, they share that commonality. But nonetheless, we have the Savage remix. Um, you get a chance to listen to it. And what do you think about it? Of course, I listen to it. I listen to it several times because Beyonce slid on that. L- listen, Beyonce, Beyonce, Beyonce. So first of all, who just I, I was almost speechless the first time I heard it because <laughs> I didn't I didn't know what to expect. But for us to get rapping Beyonce was great. Um, and it's always interesting because every time Beyonce has uh, any kind of verse where she's rapping, you always hear a little J in it. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, this is really dope um, to always hear, uh, you know, a little J in it. Like, you know, she right. it's okay to get a little of that swag from your husband. That's cool. You know, right. especially one of the greatest rappers of all time. So um, it's amazing. Uh, Beyonce did what she had to do. Um, I know people was going crazy. Because she was talking about, um, she was like, on that Demon Time, she might start her OnlyFans. They were like, what does she know about Demon Time? And what does mm-hmm. Beyonce know about her OnlyFans? They, people act like she lives under a rock. She doesn't. Beyonce's a person. Exactly. <laughs> She's a person. She has the internet. She has, she, I'm sure she has several burner accounts. She's also rich as fuck. Like, rich as fuck. She, she has access to all of these things well before we even know about them. What's really funny is, like, what do y'all think she does all day? Y'all know, y'all know artists aren't in the studio all day, right? <laughs> Beyonce probably be watching Netflix and scrolling like everyone else. I had the opposite effect. Most people, when they were hearing the, the whole Demon Time thing, a lot of people that I follow or know mm-hmm. or whatever it might have been, they didn't even know what it was. Oh, really? Think, yeah, which I think even sort of you know reinforces the point that like these celebrities know about a lot of these things more than like some of the general public does so yeah. i'm sure beyonce was bored one day and she was watching tory lane's instagram live i'm sure she was on somebody burner account i am 95 percent sure quarantine <laughs> radio quarantine radio i'm sure that's what she was doing but she really killed it man um i'm really proud of meg because this is like legit one of her dreams right um she was saying how like her mother was a big fan of beyonce so she got really emotional on instagram live that night um and it, it's, it's just really cool it's like a it this is one of those tracks that will high key always be remembered um because the not only the time it dropped but of course the the gravity of it right it's like meg the stallion upcoming houston versus or not versus but along with the most established houston artists of all time right and so it's it's really great to see well, I'm glad you're 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 really positive about it. Um, I guess I'm coming in from the other side of it. Mm-hmm. I 
so I, I guess I should preface it and say I'm already not a huge fan of the Savage song. It doesn't really do anything for me. Maybe mm-hmm. that's just because I've heard it so much and it's already been like kind of, you know, um, just in our consciousness for such a long time now since it's been on so many damn TikTok videos. Um, I listened to the song and I was just like, this is okay. Yeah, this is cool. I'm not necessarily going to go back and listen to it personally, mm-hmm. but that's not a bad thing. I don't even think it's like made for me in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and structurally and the way it sounds, it's a good song. Uh, but that's really, I think that's all I can kind of say about it. Uh, rapping Beyonce doesn't necessarily impress me because we have heard rapping Beyonce before. Yeah. And I think we've also heard better rapping Beyonce before. So I was just like, okay, this is cool. But like, I feel like she's actually had better performances when she was rapping in the past. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, it's, it's cool to like see the story about, you know, who maybe contributed what line, like we saw like the dream, you know, shouted out Jay and said like the whole, you know, TikTok line was a, was a Jay line. And we, we understand all of that, but um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 for me, it is what it is. I, I'm not necessarily, um, again, like going to revisit the song. Um, but I understand like it, it's, it's, it's historic for Megan, you know, mm-hmm. to have this and like, she's definitely proud and I totally get all of that. And that's, that's wonderful, you know, especially for her to do all of this before she's actually released a real album. Uh, that that's a testament to, to her star power at this point. So that's great. Um, but yeah. yeah, overall the song, I mean, you know, it's fine. And I, I, I understand the hype around it though. I do, I do get all of that, but I guess I'm coming from the standpoint of like not being such a huge fan of either, but I do respect both of them. So with that said, glad that it's out there for everybody to have and we can yeah. look back on that moment. Hey, also shout out to uh, Jay White did it, who is the producer, the producer on um savage is casey native i'm pretty sure mm, um, nice he also did butt yellow uh cardi b uh and money by cardi b he pretty much got like half cardi b sound uh oh, he out here <laughs> yeah he out here so shout out to jy did it too um as well man that's what's up that's what's up so savage definitely broke the internet it will be talked about uh that song will be on tiktoks for weeks and weeks to come i've already seen plenty already happen all the choreography is being made i don't even know what the official dance is yet i've seen a few different iterations hey, of it some but. some people are killing it i don't even think it was an official dance it's just straight choreography you can't do that on tiktok <laughs> everybody can't do what they was doing on tiktok the, those, nah. da- those dancing twins oh my god they are so oh. they're so good i saw them they were cold they uh, were cold they killed it yeah. so whoever they are that cannot be the official dance because nobody can't keep up with them <laughs> no, nah, half of y'all are not going to be able to <laughs> recreate that dance at yeah. all. So um, it'll be around for a while. But shout out to both of them for for linking up and putting that track out together. Mm-hmm. We also have some other music come out, man. What uh, what are some other other drops that have yeah, been notable so, uh, this past few days? We had this Doja Cat, Nicki Minaj, Shea Soul remix, um, which was unnecessary. <laughs> um, they need it. Yeah, so Doja Cat had a song Say So, which is a pretty uh, decent pop record. Um, and Nicki Minaj decided to get on the remix, uh, what people was excited for, which I get, right? They're like, Megan Beyonce coming and Doja Cat and Nicki coming. You know, this is really cool upcoming um, woman rappers, you know, uh, artists uh, combining with legends, you know, uh, per se. And we're getting them in the same week. But unfortunately, the Say So remix did not live up to the Savage remix. Um, Nicki Minaj versus verse was not bad by any means. But again, just unnecessary. Uh, listening to it, it just I just feel like. I didn't need it. <laughs> it's right. something that didn't have to exist. Um, maybe a different Doja Cat song I would have enjoyed. Um, if you know the song Rules by Doja Cat, that's the song she was spitting her ass off. Now it been great maybe to hear Nicki Minaj rap alongside her um, rather than Doja Cat using the, her pop record. You know, I would rather yeah. Doja Cat use her, her rap record to make Nicki rap. 
um, which I think would have been dope uh, to hear. Uh, other yeah. than that, uh, we got this JoJo album uh, called Good to Know, which is fire. Um, if anybody likes JoJo, she's still a beast. Uh, <laughs> I know some people who don't like JoJo, which is fine, but I still like her. I've liked her since I was young, listening to her albums. Um, this is a really good album. It's only like 10 tracks, really good. Uh, we have another album by Levin Cali called High Tide, also really good. Um, some mm-hmm. people might know a couple Levin Cali songs from either Insecure um, or if you ever listen to one of my playlists, I'm sure you've heard uh, Levin Cali joint. Uh, he has a joint with Sid, really good album. Um, also sounds like the in- intro in the summertime a little bit. Um, so I think you might like High Tide um, if you like kind of like those those summer R&B vibes. Uh, we have Mahalia who dropped a very small EP called Isolation Tapes. Uh, Amber Mark, another small EP, I think another three tracks called 1894. And Brandy and Chance the Rapper came out with a song called Baby Mama. That's it, random and it unexpected. Was hella random. Um, I think I seen some commentary around uh, a lot of people were talking about when Brandy had a child, the kind of, uh, I guess, feedback she was getting or a backlash she got um, because she wasn't a wife, right? She was a baby mama. Right. So I think that might be what the song is about. I, don't know, I listened to it once, but I listened to the lyrics too much. Um, I just wanted to kind of to hear what it sounded like. Um, but I, I do believe that's what the song is about. Uh, Brandy and her uh, owning uh, her her stature as a quote unquote baby mama, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of interesting to think about, right? Um, yeah. But the biggest music news to me <laughs> for next Saturday, seven o'clock, I think Eastern time. Yes, it is. On Instagram, we are getting the greatest versus battle, possibly the greatest versus battle. I know uh, we loved a lot of the versus battles before, right? We loved the Teddy Rileys and the Baby Faces. We loved the Little Johns and the T-Pains. But this, y'all, this is the epitome of just good music right here. Next weekend, we are getting Jill Scott versus Erica Badu in a versus. Get everything ready get your sage ready get your incense ready <laughs> not the sage <laughs> sage the whole house i'm about to be drinking tea with honey in it you gotta set up the vibes right for this <laughs> one like this this is this is a huge huge matchup yeah. uh i was talking to a couple of buddies of mine wondering how the versus series was gonna follow up babyface and teddy riley because that's, that's a, a that's that a was, pretty high high that's a high bar and we saw that like that battle did ridiculous numbers like they definitely went well over 500k on instagram live um instagram even came out and admitted that that the the capacity of the versus battle they couldn't handle and they were having technical difficulties and we never got to see like an appropriate end to that battle like they kept just like playing back and forth on their own instagram accounts um so it was a high bar that was set out by that versus battle between babyface and teddy riley which was incredible by the way i just gotta shout Mm -hmm. them out even after the technical snafus that they had and they was cutting up and not getting shit right um they definitely brought it when they when they got a chance to, to have that just real quick, I'm still mad Teddy didn't play Remember the Time. That's a big-ass track to have in your pocket not to play. But he played, he played Blood on the Dance Floor. Like, the I, mic tracks that he I, played I was like... I don't understand why you don't pull out one of the greatest... It's literally one of my favorite songs ever. He didn't pull it out of his pocket. I don't get it. Whatever. I think he tried pulling it out when they when they got kicked off, and it was like the separate i think he like tried but like at that point most yeah, people tuned out you exactly. know what it, it wasn't the same right it wasn't the same so mm-hmm. he he tweaked big time on that one um but you know as big as that battle was a lot of people were wondering what was going to be the next one 
And certainly, they have come with a really, really impressive uh, versus battle in Jill Scott versus Erica Badu. I know earlier this week, people were saying, like, let's do Badu versus Lauren Hill, um, which, I mean, would also be equally as amazing. But Erica Badu said that she would get pulverized if she went up against Lauren Hill. I don't think she would get pulverized. I think she would actually do really well. But Yeah, I don't. It's not like Lauren Hill has, like, this big discography out here. No, she she has like big hits, absolutely, but it's yeah. not like she yeah she doesn't have like twenty years worth of music out there. Um, but nonetheless, we're getting Erica Badu versus Jill Scott, like you mentioned, next Saturday, seven p.m. Eastern on Instagram Live. Timbaland announced it this past week um, that this is happening. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, man. Now, I, I will admit, I will go and you know offhand and say that I I don't I'm not a huge listener of Jill Scott's catalog. Like I know the big tracks, like the really notable ones, but I haven't ever really done a deep dive on jill scott's discography and her catalog mm-hmm. um and erica i'm much more familiar with her music because i kind of grew up listening to a lot of those tracks um that she's coming with but i do know that you know at the end of the day regardless of that that these two um this is a really impressive battle that i think is going to be um it's going to be a back and forth thing you know oh, between yeah. like just their neo soul and that whole thing i think it's going to be a lot of it's, back and forth it's going to be a lot of notable things that people latch on to and also I don't think the rounds will ever be lopsided. I think it's gonna it's, it's probably gonna always be like, oh, I don't know. That might it's be about to be wild one. out here, bro. They are just like they were like coming up at the same time. This is like literally probably close to as perfect as a um, even matchup you're gonna get that we've seen so far. And I think that's what makes me excited, right? Um, where we felt like even a lot of the a lot of the previous uh, verses always felt like, uh oh. I don't know. I think in my mind, this might go one way. This one is like, whoo, I'm not sure, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, I'm ready, man. It's going to be big. I think it, I think it'll be big. I think it could, it could potentially be, um, as big or even bigger than Babyface and Teddy Riley. I think it yeah. has that potential, absolutely. And this, this is the first uh, female battle that we've had in this series thus far, which, True. I mean, about time, you know? So, but yeah, what, what they're struggling with is a lot of the, 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 um, the big just women stars, they're hard to match against other people. Like, I remember yep. uh, Timbo and uh, Swizz were talking on a live, right? They were like, "Where who's Missy going to battle? And then you're like, she can't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're that's, like, not gonna you're go, like, that's not going to go well for anybody <laughs> on the opposite side of her Exactly. You're like, she can't do that. Um, so, you know, again, I brought it up, I think, last episode, right? I was thinking like a Monica V. Brandy kind of type thing, which I think would be right. dope. Um, so I think if they do more than that, more of that, I think it'll work out. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were a lot of rumors after the babyface Teddy Riley one that they were going to try to shoot for Dre and Diddy, which we did talk about in the last episode. We said that that would be a great matchup. And then all of a sudden they started talking about charging, uh, which they got again, I don't know. I don't know why we keep having this conversation of charging people to watch these damn, these damn versus battles. That's not, that's not what this is supposed to be. That's That's not the the spirit of it at all. Like the moment that you start trying to monetize it and make it this whole money thing for people who are rich as fuck, like Dre and Diddy are both practically billionaires. Like, why are we paying for this? But what's crazy is this event is only going to lead actually to them money regardless like people are going to listen to verses right then they're going to go to spotify apple music and title list stream the songs and then they're going to get a paycheck exactly like they're (laughs) going to get the checks regardless now if if the if the proceeds and i think that they might have mentioned this if the proceeds were going to covid19 related things which i think was floated around 
you know, I guess that makes more sense for sure. Like if you're going to actually make it like a charitable thing, mm-hmm. um, that makes sense. And then at that point, you can just make the decision whether or not you want to pay for it. But if it's anything beyond that, it just doesn't feel right. It actually feels kind of disgusting to be paying for things that they're already making money off of. They'll be making money off of for the rest of their lifetimes. But I agree completely. Nonetheless, um, whether or not that happens, we are getting Erica Badu Jill Scott I'm, next I'm weekend. Ready. I'm a big fan of both, so I'm about to be I'm about to put this up on my TV. It's gonna be a good <laughs> one. Oh, might as well. Might as well get it cracking. Uh mm-hmm. the phone the phone isn't isn't gonna be big enough for yep. this one. Gotta set up the whole setup. So right. it's gonna be it's gonna be dope. We'll definitely uh the next time we do an episode, we'll definitely review it and talk about that battle. So a lot of great music news coming out as usual. Um it seems again like things are ramping up towards the summer. We're getting we're getting lots of things happening and especially with uh with everything going on, music seems like t- it seems like one of the only forms of entertainment at this point that we're still able to consume and engage with on a regular basis um, since we can always do that from the safety of our own home. So looking forward to all of those things coming up in the future. We're going to move on and talk about things happening in the movie world and the entertainment world on that side. Uh, There's been a lot of drama in Hollywood lately uh, because of the shakeup that's happened in the industry, the, the, you know, the really, the really prevalent things that are happening, obviously, with uh, coronavirus as it relates to movie going and the movie theater experience and studios and all of this stuff. We we talked a little bit last time about um, some of the problems that AMC has been dealing with in terms of bankruptcy and laying off, you know, and furloughing employees, which it's not just AMC dealing with that. It's all theater chains and theater, you know, movie theater owners. Um, They're dealing with that as well as many other businesses out there. But this past week, man, there was some drama to come out of this whole situation. AMC and Universal are going at it for really over Trolls World Tour. That's kind of the movie that started all of this, which who would have predicted that at the top of the year? Um, They're kind of going at it at this point. A lot has happened. Um, let's break it down and just kind of give people a little background information in, in terms of where we are with the situation. So Trolls World Tour has made a lot of money. It was yeah. sent straight to video on demand um, due to movie theaters being closed. And Universal yeah. made that decision to, to send it straight to video on demand and not delay the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the first uh, three weeks of it being available, Universal announced that it's made well over a hundred million dollars for them. Um, and it's been rented by about 5 million people thus far. And so it's made quite a lot of money. You compare that to the previous trolls that came out before this, it took it three weeks to make a hundred million in theaters. Mm -hmm. So essentially they're, they're really on track with, uh, with how much revenue they've generated by putting it straight on video on demand. Um, and with that said, Universal decided that, okay, this has been successful. We're going to make another decision as it relates to the future of movie theater releases and video on demand. And so the CEO of NBC Universal, Jeff Schell, um, after this news was announced, he came out and said, this is his quote, the results for Trolls World Tour have exceeded our expectations and have demonstrated the viability of PVOD. As soon as theaters reopen, we expect to release movies on both formats. Now that's the key phrase in all of this. On both formats, he's talking about VOD as well as in theaters um, day and date and so once that comment was said by Jeff Shell it took AMC no time to respond and essentially their response was they're not playing any more Universal movies in their theaters um, because essentially this 
they feel like that this disrespects their agreement. And so yeah. AMC Theater's chairman and CEO Adam Aaron came out and said, it's disappointing to us, but Jeff's comments as to Universal's unilateral actions and intentions have left us with no choice. Therefore, effective immediately, AMC will no longer play any Universal movies in any of our theaters in the United States, Europe, or the Middle East. Mm. Um, essentially a big boycott of all Universal movies playing in their theaters. So that's a lot to think about and a lot to break down. Um, this situation has boiled over. And ever since then, other theater chains have joined with AMC, um, such as Center World, who owns all of the Regal franchises. They've joined AMC and the National Association of Theater Owners, um, which is NATO for short. Um, they're also upset with Universal and how they've acted in this entire situation it's a lot of drama it's a lot to break down yep. we'll get into more of the specifics and the details as we talk about this but just initially with all the things that have happened so far this week what are your thoughts on the situation uh, <laughs> my thoughts are why i feel like corona is just getting to everybody man everyone's just so antsy right now Ruining relationships. Everyone is out so here. antsy right now. Ugh. So, um, I see both sides of the story, which means there should be no sides of the story. <laughs> there, it means they're both kind of being dumb to me right now. Um, so on the AMC side, right, I get it. Right, like you have this whole um, agreement with the movie studio, and they tell you, we're of course we're going to re- release our movies with your theater, but we're also going to put this movie on demand. And AMC's like, nigga, that's like a lot of revenue we don't get. <laughs> exactly. We're like, not going to see any of that money if people We're not going to see any of that movie. Like, if you released fast, whatever number of fast movies on at home, you telling me we're not going to get a lot of that money? Especially, we talked about this last time, or I think at some point, but AMC gets a lot of their monies from concessions. Yep. So imagine you never go to the theater and you never get those that concession money, right? And AMC's like, nah, bro, we're not doing that. Um, we feel disrespected by this, and I get that. I get that a hundred percent. And they say we're not we're not going to take any of your movies anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a little overboard, right? Like why the that, this is the two the two side of me, right? Uh, why as um, AMC. Why go to such a stream so fast, right? Mm-hmm. Why not just come back and say, hey, Universal, this is the reason we don't appreciate this. And I don't think you should do this because of X, Y, Z. I think that should have happened first. Instead, again, Rona got us sensitive nowadays or something. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> AMC was pissed about it. So now Universal's over here. just trying. Honestly, they like, look. We of course we're gonna release it in the theaters, but we can also kind of make money if we release it at home. I see, I see Universal too. See, this is the problem. Universal's like, of course we could we could just make money both ways. Some people who might not even go to the movies might still click on it at home. Sure. So yeah, you you know, like I see both sides, and I think that on at the end of the day, they just need to come together, kiss, make up, uh, maybe Universal just just don't don't do the vibe and if you do do the if you do do the vibe maybe have like a two-week grace period or something there's something you sure. can work out here is what i'm trying to say really easily everyone's being super sensitive um it's a lot of back and forth so i think that that's my quickest take on it <laughs> of course i could say a lot more but that's where i stand well i you know i can certainly i have a lot to say about this actually i 
I'll tell you why I perceive AMC to be so upset about what's happened thus far. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that this isn't this this decision and these actions weren't um, they didn't happen in a vacuum because according to, you know, the National Association of Theater Owners, when Universal made the decision to send Trolls World Tour straight to VOD they only gave all of the theater exhibitors a 20 minutes heads up about this decision before they announced it to the world. Uh, whereas other studios that they, you know, called all of their other partners like Disney, Warner Brothers, Paramount, Sony, all of them gave them uh, sufficient advance notice about their decisions, whether yeah. it was delaying a movie, whether it was about sending it straight to VOD, they gave a sufficient um, notice to these theater exhibitors about their decisions, whereas Universal, 20 minutes, and then we're making the announcement. Um, I will say that, that that is that's bad business. You shouldn't yeah. do that. That's right. that's not appropriate. Like to not give them I don't know what the standard is, but at least twenty four hours seems at least like sufficient and appropriate, but twenty minutes, no. Yeah. Um so I think that incident really started to kick off the distrust between Universal theater owners, AMC. Um secondly I understand Universal, you know, putting this out and, you know, making money, being successful for them. Um, That's absolutely that's absolutely, you know, something that they should be happy about to see that a movie like Trolls could be viable at home. Uh, The problem is, like you mentioned, doing a day and date sort of situation, releasing movies in theaters and on VOD. I mean, you're really eliminating a lot of opportunity for theaters and AMC to, to get that concession stand money, to get that foot traffic in their theaters, which they can't survive without that which obviously they're already threatened by what's happening with, you know, coronavirus and not being able to have people come to their theaters and laying off damn near all of their employees. So to say that, which is going to be mostly families that stay home, right? Like if we're being honest Mm -hmm. about it, it's mostly going to be those parents that have children that they don't want to take out or find babysitters or whatever they got to do. Like, and that's most of the money because you're, you're talking about a family of four. That's like a hundred to $150 that they would get off of one visit. And so, yeah, AMC and other theaters, like they're not, no, that doesn't make sense to them. And so now you have the whole idea of like the 90 day window that, normally exists like typically there's a 90 day window between when a movie is first released to when it's supposed to first drop on VOD so that's why you always see movies pop up three months later after they come out and now Universal is saying like yeah no we kind of want to do this our way and do it you know day and date Um, I think it says a lot about AMC that they're willing they're damn near willing to essentially cut their own legs off in order to send a message because it, it is an extreme it's very extreme for them to say we're not going to play any of your movies moving forward in mm. any of our theaters. And it's mm. the largest theater chain in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Universal represents, in my mind, they represent one of the three biggest movie studios. Like there's there's a, a big five. Yeah. There's Disney, Warner Brothers, Universal, Sony, and Paramount. Yep. Sony and Paramount have not really been able to keep up with, you know, the likes of, I think, Disney, Universal. Uh, Universal still has huge properties. Huge they still properties. have... You know, like you mentioned, Fast and Furious, Jurassic World, yep. Candyman is supposed to come out. The Halloween franchise become, yep. you know, essentially like the biggest horror franchise lately. They have a lot of great horror movies, like the partnership with Blumhouse, all of that. Um, yep. So they Invisible they still just happened. Yeah, Visible Man just did really, really well. They have a lot of viable properties. Minions and, and Despicable Me, that's oh, yeah. huge. Um, so 
the fact that AMC is willing to essentially cut their legs off to send a message, um, it says a lot about them and where they are. Um, I do think it is extreme because if you take away Universal and you're only relying on the other four studios, I don't think you're going to do too well. Right. Um, the, 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 the sort of the devil's advocate in me says this. I think that they made the decision for two reasons. One, it absolutely is a negotiation tactic. I don't think any of this is going to actually happen. I yeah. think that eventually they will come to an agreement almost, and figure out somewhere in the middle. Almost like Universal did it for a reaction. Exactly. They did it to send a message and for a reaction. The other reason I think that they did it is to send a message to other theater owners mm-hmm. that they won't accept something like this because if you allow it to happen, you're setting a precedent. Yeah. You're setting a precedent that if Universal were to do it and to get away with it, then any, any, any other studio, what would stop them from doing the same thing, right? If Disney mm-hmm. wanted to just send a movie straight to Disney Plus. The last thing that I'll say about this, um, and you know, we can look at some of the comments that came ever since then, um, there is no way, I guarantee you right now, there is no way that Universal is sending a movie like Fast 9 or Jur- the third Jurassic World. There is no way they're sending it straight to streaming because in this day and age, it is not possible for them to make as much money strictly from VOD and streaming as much as they would make in theaters. It's not going to happen. The The math is just not there. And it's the same for any other studio. Disney would never send Black Widow straight to Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. That's why they delayed it. Universal would never send No Time to Die, the next James Bond movie, straight to Disney+. Plus Because right. there's no way, even with the amount of rentals and purchases that they get, they're going to lose a lot of money. These movies can't make a billion dollars in the household, bottom right. line. So right. it's not going to happen. Um, but we could be in a situation to where a movie like Trolls World Tour or maybe the next big Blumhouse horror movie, maybe those could be viable just at home because they're mid-level budget. They didn't cost $300 million to make. They're not going to make a billion dollars. But if you want to make like $100 million for a movie that costs maybe 15 or 20 it can happen at home. That might be the future. Who knows? But we've been moving in that direction for a long time now. Netflix is obviously shaking a lot of shit up. Yeah. They're kind of the causes, you know, for this. Um, but we'll see what happens. I do think they'll they'll come back to the table and renegotiate. Mm-hmm. Um, Universal responded, you know, when AMC made that decision. Um, Jeff Shell, the CEO, he said that we absolutely believe in the theatrical experience. and have made no statement to the contrary. As we stated earlier, going forward, we expect to release future films directly to theaters as well as PVOD when that distribution outlet makes sense um so they're kind of sticking to their guns and like i mentioned earlier cineworld um who owns regal entertainment um they came out much harsher words they said nice words from your team are worthless if you cannot if we cannot trust you as a partner wow so (laughs) um that says a lot about the the mindset of what theater owners are thinking but yeah i don't know man do you think um i guess just like to wrap this up even even as if they come back to the table and renegotiate what do you think the future of all of this looks like like when it's safe to go back to movie theaters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when we can you know comfortably do that do you think we'll still see something like this happen from studios will they still try to do a day and date release things in theaters and on streaming uh what types of movies would those would those be i mean and and also i guess just like another thing to think about and we can discuss like what do the future of movie theaters even look like now? Like yeah. with all of this happening and how this looks to the public, like what is what is even the future? You know, it's uh, really interesting to think about. Um, I seen something the other day how uh, I don't know if it's the AMC uh, CEO 
um, who said he he, had, he was talking to Christopher Nolan, right? And he was like, any if anybody else in the world who wants theaters to reopen right now, it's Christopher Nolan and Tanet, right? Like Christopher Nolan wants Tanet out like yesterday. For and sure. And it's really interesting to see because um, it's like, okay, so let's say Tanet comes out. What the hell does that even look like, right? Like, does that mean people just get up and go to the theater? You know, like, what do you, yeah. what do you, what do you want that to look like, Christopher Nolan? Because we already know, again, as soon as, you know, uh, quarantine, I guess, is quote-unquote over. Or, you know, th- things are going to roll out slow regardless, no matter what happens, right? So what does that mean for the movie theater, right? Like, do we... Is there a limit in every theater? Like, is there only... If there's a 200 seat theater, can only 75 seats be filled, and sure. everybody got to distance themselves in the theater, you know, like it, sure. it, it's a really interesting thought, because um, I think that is what's going to determine what it looks like, right? If only 75 people at a time can go see one movie, maybe that is what makes um, the the universal when they say uh, we're gonna we're gonna use um, VOD to our uh, whenever we see fit right maybe sure. that's when it that's when it feels fit we're gonna put fast and furious can go in the theater we're gonna have all the, we have all these 200 seat theaters but only 75 people are going to be in them but we're going to have like eight theaters <laughs> right you know and so another movie that's smaller you know like the photograph right came out we're going to put that on vibe though because sure. it's not because it's not worth it going to the movie theater sure and i think that might be that might make sense right um Depending on how things go, that really, that in my mind, that's how it's going to work. Like, there's no way we're just going to, I don't know, a random day. June 15th comes, right? Governor Cuomo in New York says everything is okay. We go to the movie theater, and everyone's just sitting next to each other like normal again. Yeah, um, no. And so I think it just depends. Like, it, it's, it's those logistics that are going to shape what this future of the movie theater is like honestly um because other than that i honestly have no idea <laughs> what answer to give you or how that's going to happen excellent points um this is really shaping the future of movie going and what that looks like i think largely there's still a desire for people to go to movies oh, yeah. um and make those trips because movies wouldn't make as much money Us. as they did you know if right exactly if um if if people didn't still want to go however Again, considering the state of the world, when it's safe to go back, uh, there won't be this huge rush back into theaters. And like you mentioned, people just sit next to each other. Our world's never going to be the same after this. There's going to have to be limits and mm-hmm. restrictions and all of those different things. And so it will absolutely shape, I think, a lot of the decisions. Um, and we'll we'll see how it looks. But again, I mean, you know, the the state of the state of streaming and VOD and, you know, services like Netflix and Amazon Prime and Disney Plus, they've really shaken up how all of this looks. Yeah. Um, and I think that these these were these were things that were bound to happen, but obviously the state of the world has accelerated it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's also caused a lot of emotions to to boil over because all of this is really out of our control. Yeah. Theater owners don't have any control over yeah. this. Studios, they still have a good amount of leverage, but they kind of lost a lot yeah. of control. Everyone is almost living off of doctors and human nature right now. <laughs> yeah. Like that's literally exactly. how we're living. Yeah, so it's uh it's 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 in a really interesting state of flux. We'll continue to see how this all shakes out, but right now Universal and AMC 
uh, they're not talking to each other. They they are not happy with each other. So I say let them fight. Let them let them duke it out. Let it let it happen. It's bound to happen at some point. You know, it was bound to happen at some point. So it will be what it will be, and they'll they'll eventually come to some sort of decision. But speaking of Netflix, we're gonna switch gears a little bit and talk about a couple of things that have been on Netflix. Um, you finally finished Black AF. I know we talked about that last time. Yeah. Um, you saw the first few episodes, but you you've since finished Black AF. Yes. Do you feel a little bit better about it now that you've seen the entire series? Barely. <laughs> not not really. Not I I do feel better, but not enough to um to be excited about it at all. Um mm. so again the first 3 episodes of Black AF, uh, Kenya Bears, right? Um I still didn't find myself laughing too much. Um I, I'm a I'm gonna say some spoilers in here, so just be mindful. Um, spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. So the third episode, um, there is a little bit of laughs, right? Where there's this thing where they uh, they take these mollies and they go to a J-Rock concert. <laughs> mm. And and their daughter is there. And it's like, and their daughter finds out, like, are they on drugs? And then <laughs> apparently she, I think she was high off something too. And they like have this like whole squabble kind of small little thing. Um, stuff like that is cool, but it still feels like blackish a little bit, right? Um, right. And that's probably still my biggest problem with the show is that it just feels like blackish uncensored um sure he even has similar characters kind of after again blackish is pretty much about his family and then he goes to black af and it's still about his family like blackish is about uh a, a marketer and his doctor wife right but now we're in black as mixed doctor wife and then we're back with black af and his wife is mixed again right. and it's like I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't really understand the difference he's trying to make in the show versus Blackish. Besides the uncensored part, he's like, I can cuss now. Uh, it's kind of what it feels like to me. Yeah. Um. There are a couple topics that do get, um, I guess, a little bit better that you can't do on TV, like the the drug thing. Like they're not gonna put that on ABC, um, which I appreciated. But for some reason, because of I. I think I was looking for laughs more because it felt like he wanted laughs more that because I didn't get that, it just didn't feel as great as it should have been. So moving on, episode four was the funniest episode of the whole thing. Um, If you watch Black AF, the writer's room, anytime in the writer's room, I'm laughing because the writer's room is the best part. There's a lot of sexism in there. There's a lot of racism in there. Um, And they actually are starting to hit on topics like, oh, that was kind of meaningful. Oh, that was kind of meaningful. So episode four and five, uh, I think I have eight are my favorite. Um, so five is actually, I will argue this. The, the only reason to watch Black AF, honestly, is episode five. Episode oh, wow. episode five is arguably one of it's it's very important episode um, to anybody interested in any kind of black cinema, right? Um, black black culture and cinema, black uh, movie makers, um, black filmmakers. Period. It's very important because what happens is uh, Kenya Barris. Um, he goes on to talk about how um, filmmakers aren't always truthful with other filmmakers about what they liked and didn't like about their movies, right? Okay, and so, that's interesting. Yeah, so a guest stars like a Issa Rae, a Ava DuVernay, and a Lena Waithe, like there's you know a couple names in there um, that he actually has on the episode. He like FaceTimes him, right? And he like uh, he's like asking um, some honest feedback. They're like, and he's like, tell me about Blackish. How do you feel about it? And they're all like, it's okay. Or, you know, or everyone's like, at first it's like, oh, it's good. But he's like, no, tell me how you really feel. Sure. And there's this really interesting dynamic in there where um, they're discussing 
um, how can we ever get better as black filmmakers if we don't be honest with each other? You know, we have this level of support, you know, black people for each other, um, where if you put something out, I'm just going to support it no matter how good it is. I'm not going to tell you if, if I don't like it. I'm just going to support it and I'm going to tell other people it's good. But I feel like, but King of Bears is trying to make this argument that, no, you need to be real with me because if not, it's going to stay the exact same way it is. Um, 100%. Which is so interesting to me because that's what Black AF is. <laughs> it's like it's like <laughs> a why commentary is it, on itself, it's right? A commentary on itself. Like why isn't this good, Kenya? Um, yeah. So it it really does become a really important episode um, where uh, this this thing happens uh, at the end of the episode where um, Kenya has to do um, this panel, right? And at first, when he was talking to all those people on like Facetime or whatever, the Issa Rays and Ava Duvernay's, um, he asked for somebody to come on the panel with him to tell uh the, the panel um is about this uh this black dude made a movie apparently it's supposed to have a bunch of layers <laughs> like kind of like jordan peele level layers but apparently it's not okay. good though like it has it, it tries so hard to be layered that it's not good and he wants somebody to come on the panel with him and be truthful and it ends up being lena way lena way says i will come with you to this panel and be truthful what happens is um they're at the panel the director is like asking que- or taking questions, responding, telling these people what all these layers mean. And none of them really don't make sense because he's like, well, if you pay attention to the trumpet player in the first three minutes of the film, this really relates to the history of, you know what I mean? Like, it's like stuff sure. like that. And you're like, what are you talking about? And so Kenya tells the truth. Right. But then um, people, the black people in the audience start to look at him sideways because he's downplaying this black film. And so what happens is Lena Waithe turns on Kenya Barris and he start, she starts talking good about the film. She's like, I thought it was good. And it's what, what's also really crazy about this is freaking uh, Queen and Slim just came out. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, this episode is really good, dog. Like, I, I really do like ep- this episode. Um, it was like the, the few things that made this series different. And then it just goes back to normal after that. But I, I still laughed more afterwards than I did the first three episodes. Sure. But it was really that episode um, that I would say to watch the series. Like, that episode is that good um, that I, I would say go for it. It's not It's not like it's long, uh, you know. Um, and so that's what I think about it now. For me, it's still not the greatest show ever. Um, right. But if you're going to watch it, episode four and five are the ones to watch for sure. Um, okay. But, yeah. Yeah, I think that's um, it's interesting that they brought that up in the show uh, in itself. I actually have thoughts about that stuff that uh, maybe we'll dive into another time just Mm -hmm. about, um, yeah, that that exact topic that you bring up that they talked a lot about in episode four and five. And I'll probably check out those episodes myself. I still have not gotten a chance to see it. Uh, There's been so much mixed reactions to it. I've seen people that are loving it, that, you know, find it funny because obviously it's supposed to be a comedy. And I've seen other people who were like it's unbearable, it's cringeworthy, whatever it might be. So the, yeah. the opinions aren't on both sides of the spectrum at this point. Yeah, you know, in the past, Kenya Barris has always been uh, criticized for not having uh, a dark cast. Right. Um, and, I mean, we, it, it comes, again, it comes into play here again. Um, but um, everybody in this show is still black at the end of the day. Uh, I see, I get 100%. <laughs> those critiques right it's like right. why is no one in the show black i actually seen the same critique the other day about euphoria somebody was like but nobody's darker than <laughs> like zendaya in the show no one's darker yeah. than Zendaya. um so you know that those things are still really interesting but um i think uh i think if king of bears could listen to his own episode 
and and uh, other filmmakers, you know, can start being honest with each other, and we can start being honest uh, with each other too. You know, even about the movies we watch, um, that things can uh, change a little bit, and we can start getting those uh, those uh, those 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 awards for ourselves and for nobody else um, that that we want. Um, Absolutely. Well, uh, speaking of being honest about a movie, we're going to stay in the Netflix world. Uh, Extraction is the latest big Netflix movie premiere that has come out. Um, Extraction was released on the service April 24th. It's directed by Sam Hargrave uh, in his debut um, directorial effort. If I'm not mistaken, he has been the stunt coordinator uh, for a lot of the Avengers movies, and he's worked with the Russo brothers, who mm-hmm. also produced this film, and Joe Russo himself wrote the script. Um, and this movie has come out uh, a few weeks ago, and it's a, it's seemingly a hit. It's um, officially going to end up being the biggest Netflix premiere ever for a film, um, and after four weeks, it will have been viewed by 90 million households. Wow. Um, so it's a huge, huge win for Netflix. Um, it's a big action film. Um, again, it's starring Chris Hemsworth, He's doing a lot of his own stunts here, which is really impressive. Um, I did get a chance to watch the movie, so I just wanted to talk about it briefly because I know a lot of people have watched this film. Um, Extraction is certainly huge, big action spectacle. It's something that would be um, kind of appropriate for theaters. Like if it, if it were to be released in theaters as like a mid-level budget action movie, uh, it probably would do really well um, mm-hmm. in that sense. And I think all of the stunt choreography was incredible. There was some stuff here that I was looking at like, holy shit, that, that's, really, that's really impressive. Uh, a lot of hard-hitting action. It's very violent, very graphic. It's not... It's not meant to be seen by children. Like, think of, you know, almost think of, like, John Wick in that sense. Like, the type of choreography, you know, the gun, headshots, bones breaking, all of that good stuff is there. Um, And there's this one scene in particular. This isn't a spoiler, but just, like, a a thing to know. There's this one scene in particular that's, like, it's, like, an 11-minute sequence that's, like, Filmed as like one tracking shot, like a, a continuous shot, sort of in the same vein as 1917. Uh, that was probably my favorite part of the film because you're like mm. following the characters, like they're going, you know, down levels of rooms, and there's a lot of you know fight choreography, and then it ends in a car chase. Like it's it's mm-hmm. super good. Um, so I mean, on a big on a big scale like that, in terms of just action set pieces, it's great. Um, the thing that I'll say about it is that there is virtually no story to this movie it's not really it's not really about anything like the premise is essentially that chris uh chris chris evans i avengers uh chris hemsworth <laughs> is trying to protect this this younger kid this younger kid uh is he essentially has like a bounty on his head almost and he's trying to protect this younger kid um and that's really kind of it there's not really a real story here which almost um the, the characters almost suffer from that as well. Like, there's not really any character development happening. Chris Hemsworth character, since he's the main, he gets some decent development. Like, you get some flashbacks to his childhood. You get to see a little bit about him. Uh, but beyond that, there's not really much happening. And I can understand and recognize that action has its place. And most action movies that I go to see, I'm not really looking for a story. So I will admit that and say that up front. Like, I'm not looking to be riveted or have a thought-provoking conversation about a big action movie, bottom line. Like, if you go see John Wick, you know what you're going to see that movie for. Yeah. And I think that this is the same thing. However, at the end of the day, 
I still want to walk away from watching a film having some sort of emotional connection and reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, by the end of this, there's a big thing that happens, like an actual sort of a shocking thing that happens, but I didn't really feel anything when it when it actually happened. I was like, okay, that's cool, but I didn't get all that close um, to any of these characters, so it didn't really resonate for me. Yeah. So I think like after looking at it, I was like, it's fine. Um, and I will say in terms of Netflix movies, this was actually one of the more entertaining ones to watch. Yeah. I don't know about the rest of everybody else or the rest of y'all, but when I watch a Netflix movie, for the most part, probably with the exception of like maybe one or two other examples, I, I'm mostly bored. I don't really yeah. find Netflix movies to be all that entertaining. I think I think there's a clear distinction between what a Netflix movie is versus a movie that actually goes to theaters. Yep. Um because every example I've seen, I'm just like, that's that that wasn't really that good. Like I watched the King um mm-hmm. movie that had uh, Timothy Chalamet and Joel Edgerton and I was not impressed at all Dang. by that movie. Um, there's been other examples I know that have come out. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. Netflix movies have been a lot of a lot of them have been misses for me. Um, but I will say that this in particular extraction has been one of the more impressive feats that they've put out. Um, and the Russos, you know, sort of they're they're c- kind of going around the horn and working with a lot of their Avengers co-stars. Like we know they they worked with Chadwick on Twenty One Bridges. You yeah. know, we saw that a few months ago. They worked with him on that. Now Chris. Hemsworth on this movie. I know they have a movie in the works with Tom Holland. Cherry um, is supposed to come out shortly here. So they're kind of working with all of their Avengers uh, actors that they worked with uh, on Infinity War and Endgame, which is kind of cool to see. But cool. just wanted to put that out there and talk about Extraction a little bit because we know a lot of people have seen that film. Somebody said um, it was a mix between Ray Redemption and John Wick. How do you feel about that assessment? Wrong? That is saying a lot because those that's are two good ass movies. <laughs> that's that that is honestly giving it too much credit. I'm uh-huh. gonna be honest. That's giving it too much credit because even even the John Wick comparisons is not as good as John Wick as any of them. Like right. all three John Wick movies are better story wise and action wise. They're they're all better. Mm. It's it's as close to John Wick as you could probably be without being John Wick. Right? Yeah. Uh, Ray Redemption is nowhere. No, fuck no. It's nowhere near that level. Absolutely not. I won't take that slander from anybody. Yeah. The Ray Redemption is one of the top five greatest action movies ever made. Bottom ever, line, ever made, boy. So, yeah, no, it's not a mix between that at all. Um, it's fine. It's it's good. It's it's like it's the perfect example of a Netflix movie that you should watch at home. And that's yeah. that's about that's about it. That's what I'll say on it. So we got Extraction. If you've seen it. Let us know what you think. Hit us up at Two Black Nerds on social media. Um, but speaking of the Russos, we got some other movie news to talk about um, to sort of go over that, that that have come out in the past few days. Yep. The Russos are now attached to make a live action remake of Hercules coming out of Disney. Yes, sir. Um, we we've seen all of these Disney live action remakes come out in the past five or six years. Um, to I would say varying degrees of success and quality uh, we've had some really good examples like Aladdin we've had some not so good examples like Lion King <laughs> that have come out um, they're doing Hercules which I will say is one of my top three favorite Disney animated movies ever bro it's legendary you uh this is I think they're actually going in order of Probably my excitement, except for Aladdin, right? Where, like, 
Lion King would have been my top. Like that would be the one I was most excited for. for actually, sure. actually, Mulan might have been my number two most excited for. Right, and then number three probably is Hercules. Like, yep. <laughs> like that actually might be literally be my order of excitement. And to to hear. Which I feel like we were just talking about this. We were like, what is next? I was like, it got to be Hercules. Yep. And then lo and behold, here we are talking about this in real time. And now it's actually Hercules. Um, of course, Little Mermaid is still coming, but not as excited for that, right? Right. Um, but Hercules, man. That's a big do, one. This is a big one, y'all, for me, for real. Uh, like I'm like, let's do this. But yeah, of course, let's do this right. Um, I heard a lot of decent reviews about Mulan. Um, for the five people who've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I hope that from the sounds of that, um, that maybe they got their life together right, which is interesting because Aladdin's good. Um, Aladdin's a good movie. Um, yeah. I like Aladdin. Um, and so maybe there is room to, uh, to actually, you know, put out a couple more of these things and be successful. And so I think I'm, I'm, I'm for sure ready for Hercules to come in here and wreck shop, hopefully. Um, if they do it right, uh, of course, we, I'm still going to trust you, the Russos because how can I not? Right. Um, they've given us good enough content uh, over the years to to trust them for sure. Right. For sure. Uh, and they're looking at, you know, some some goat status right now um, in terms of, you know, directing duos. Um, and so I'm I'm ready for it, dude. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm also. I'm. I'm looking forward to this too. Just based off the premise that Hercules is one of one of my personal favorites as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still haven't seen Mulan, which man, I, I'm. I'm really bummed about that. It seems like, it seems like that movie was supposed to come out like nine months ago, but it, it was does only feel supposed like to come that. out like. Yeah, it was only supposed to come out last month, but we're we're gonna have to wait till that movie. They pushed that to July, which I don't. I think it's gonna get pushed again, unfortunately. But yeah, it's about to um, be a fall movie. Yeah, and like you mentioned, still got Little Mermaid that is uh, in the works right now. Hercules, I really, you know, we did talk about this recently, mm-hmm. um, and I, I really did not expect them to do this. Me just either. Because, yeah, the, 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 the state of like the Hercules character in Hollywood has just not been successful be, besides their animated movies, so it's going to be interesting to see the spin that they'll have to put on it. Yeah. I think casting is going to be incredibly important here. Mm, like who, super important. Who's going to play Hercules? Uh, a lot of people are calling for Ariana Grande to play Meg. That's mm-hmm. been a big thing floating around. Yep. Who's going to be the muses? A lot like, of people have been casting the hell out the muses. People talking yeah, about Lizzo's and Kiki Palmer's. and <laughs> It's a lot going on, man. You can Nor- tell Normani's. black people. Black people in particular have a personal investment in this movie. They like, do. Black folks want to yeah. see this one because I I actually know people who have the muses as tattoos. Like they love the muses. Um, yeah, and so it's it is going to be uh, really important for them. This might be like the first black connection for the live movie, right? <laughs> that yeah. we get. Hundred so, percent. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be important for sure. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We don't, you know, really have an idea of when it'll come out. Things are, you know, in such a state of disarray at this point. Who knows when it'll it'll be able to come out. But I think the news just broke that they are working to develop this movie. So it should be on the next few years. It'll be in- interesting to see how it turns out. And we'll start to, I assume we'll start to get casting news, you know, within the next six to eight months probably mm-hmm. um, as they start to get ready to prep for the movie um another movie that's in development that they have actually i think they've already shot or they shot most of it or i don't really know you know considering what's happened with covid19 but another another remake um well not even a remake this is actually a sequel um to a legacy title that's coming um and speaking of legacy 
the next Space Jam movie. Space Jam 2 now has a new title. It'll be called Space Jam A New Legacy, which was revealed by LeBron James. Um, he posted a uh, a video of himself wearing uh, the ball cap that had the name and the official logo for this movie. Um, we've been we've been known that it's coming. We've known about this the second Space Jam movie for a long time now, um, and it's coming in 2021 um, next year. So Space Jam: A New Legacy is out. Um, I guess just like off first hand, just looking at it, I think the logo looks nice. Um, the title is interesting, A New Legacy. Um, I think everybody I, probably assumed that it would just be Space Jam 2. But I don't know why they put A New Legacy on it. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I don't, I don't understand is because we're not going to pretend like LeBron ain't ending his career soon. So, like, I don't really understand why it's called A New Legacy because it can't be LeBron's. No, well, maybe it's to disassociate it with Michael Jordan. I don't know. We'll, we'll, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what it means. A new legacy. Um, don't really know because we haven't seen anything from the movie at this point. But it's supposed to come next year at this point, and it's directed by Malcolm D. Lee. Um, he'll be sort of helming that film. So I'm excited to see it and see how it turns out. Yeah, I've actually Space Jam seen, is one of those movies. I've actually seen a lot of hate. Uh, a lot of people are like, "Oh, you don't need to make a sequel." A lot of people don't even like the logo. I've seen a lot of people like, this is trash. This logo's trash. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I, I never, I, like, I knew a lot of us um, resonated with Space Jam, right? Like, a movie we've watched 8,000 million times. I know I have. Um, just as a young boy who loved basketball, right? Uh, I know I've watched it a lot of times. But I didn't know we had, like, this hold on it <laughs> where people were going to get mad when this came up i don't know this is it's really interesting to see yeah yeah i i don't i don't get all the hate either um especially because we haven't seen literally anything from the movie so it's interesting to see how many people are already against it and yeah. are not accepting of it so um when a trailer does come what's the reaction going to be it might be a mix at that point at best just because people yeah. don't seem to be accepting of it um it's it's also i think it's worthy to note that you know the, the Looney Tunes, when the initial Space Jam came out in the 90s, I mean, Michael Jordan and the Looney Tunes were both extremely popular at that time. Heat, like the like hottest. Like white hot. The hottest you can, 96? Hello? <laughs> yeah, My, it was Michael, crazy. Michael Jordan, 96? Hello? Yeah. <laughs> he still had like a couple more titles to win. Yeah. The Looney Tunes were on fire. Like everybody was watching Looney Tunes at that point in time. Now... Nobody's really watching Looney Tunes. Man, back then, people had airbrushed uh, shirts with Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck yeah. on the front. All now, of that. we don't see none of that uh, right you now. You don't see right? any Looney Tunes, anything really anymore. Um, and then LeBron, he's still like he's still as popular as ever. But we, like you mentioned, he's on the tail end of his career. Um, kind of similar to where Jordan was at that point, but I think we yeah. knew Jordan had more to win in the future. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't really know that for LeBron. Hopefully, I, you know, I would like him to get another one, but that's neither here nor there. But it's, 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 it's interesting to see that they're going back to a property like the Looney Tunes um, for this movie when they're not they're not exactly what they used to be. So yeah. kind of curious to see uh, how that turn out. I guess on the bright side is HBO Max got the Looney Tunes coming, you know? Um, a lot of new Looney Tunes at that. So maybe if 
um, young basketball fans, also, you know, young kids, you know, are interested in those HBO Max cartoons with the Looney Tunes, um, there could be a small resurge of of the Looney Tunes, which is good. You know, this is actually kind of decent timing, I guess, in terms of attempting to, you know, revamp uh, the the popularity of the Looney Tunes. Maybe that's a hint at a new legacy. Maybe that's mm. what it is. So mm. interesting. We'll see. We'll see in 2021. Uh, Space Jam: A New Legacy. Let us know what you think about the logo and the title of the movie at Two Black Nerds on Twitter and Instagram. Coronavirus is shaking everything up. Is getting everything. Uh, it's getting everything out of here in a sense. Uh, even the Academy Awards had to change their rules because of COVID nineteen. Uh, it is now official that this year for this year's award show coming up, uh, February of 2021, as it's still scheduled for this year, only films that are released digitally will now be considered, um, at the Academy Awards. And these are films that are only released digitally. That was not a possibility before, um, Mm -hmm. before films had to have some sort of theatrical run i believe the rule the official rule was that films in order to be considered for any academy award had to play in either new york or la for at least seven days yeah um now that will not be the case films that are released only on digital platforms will be considered for this year only and another new rule that's been put in place this has been rumored for a while i think we even talked about this in the lead up to the academy awards for this year the sound mixing and sound editing categories will now be combined into one award uh reducing the award count from 24 to 23 Mm -hmm. um this is this is interesting that the academy had to you know budge we we've we've kind of been talking about this a lot like yeah Movies that are released on streaming, should they be considered all of these different things? And now, now that's the case. I'm um, especially knowing that essentially no film festivals will be happening this year, right? Oh, like, unfortunately, man, no cans. Oh, no man. cans. That's already been uh, canceled. Uh, we still haven't heard the fates of things like uh, TIFF or mm-hmm. any of the other big festivals, but they will likely be canceled for, uh, at this point. South by Southwest, uh, we do know. They're doing some free screenings of some movies that uh, that have been entered into South by Southwest. Um, so. I think everybody's going to have to end up doing that. I think there's going to have to be um, a service provided to everybody to be able to consume these films on digital platforms because that's the only way they'll be able to get seen, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, so I think a lot of festivals will have to go that route, um, at least to industry folks who who are part of the academy. Yeah. Um, I know South by Southwest, like you mentioned, they'll actually make it available to the public right. um, through Amazon Prime. But we'll see what happens with other festivals. But this is this is going to be crazy for next year. I mean, mm-hmm. at this point, you know, we don't again, we don't really know what a lot. Um, we don't know a lot of movies that are coming out in the fall at this point yet, um, besides things that have been delayed. But we know that that September to December period is when most films that are considered for Academy Awards get released because that is festival season, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we'll really start to see the effects take shape around that point in time. But this is this is crazy, right? Like they actually had to change their rules, Bruh, I've This award season is about to be super weird. It's about to be like five movies on there that <laughs> that we even consider versus like the eleven that the eleven big ones that we had uh, this past year. It's about to be to net to net to net to net every award, <laughs> every award because there's nothing else came out, you know. So it's it's about yeah. to be super 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 weird yeah i will say that it, it might it might provide us the opportunity to see things um that we may not have been able to see like um, there were there were still a there were still a few movies that, ca- that were nominated for this year's academy awards that i just literally could not see because yeah. it wasn't available anywhere i couldn't buy it there were no streaming platforms mm-hmm. like 
these were movies that debuted at festivals, and that that's the only place you could have seen them. Yeah. But this might open it up now for us to actually see things that may not have been available initially. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. Um, looking forward to it, though. I think this is uh this is kind of a great development for the academy. Um, yeah. I, it's it's this year only apparently, but I don't know. I think this actually might this might this might stick around. A little bit longer than they that they anticipate, because even movies that are affected this year, the the whole industry is affected next year as well, just because of how many things have gotten delayed. But we'll see how it plays out this 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 upcoming movie season, this festival season, this Academy Award season, um, upcoming. But that's not the only thing coronavirus is affecting. As we've been talking about every week, things are being moved and delayed per usual. These these latest delays they really hurt me because oh, it's just every single one actually. It's just it's just getting really rough out here. Every uh, single one of these hurt. Yeah, because now now we're not just losing stuff from this year; we're losing stuff from next year too. Like, which is crazy to think about. But um, officially now, Sony has moved Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Um, it was initially going to come out April eighth, two thousand twenty two. It's moved all the way to October of that year. Venom. Um, which also now has an official title, Venom Let There Be Carnage. (laughs) It's so bad that it's good. So bad that it's good, which that's Venom, right? That's exactly how Venom 1 was and Mm -hmm. probably how Venom 2 will be. Venom Let There Be Carnage was supposed to come out October of this year. It's now moved to June 25th of 2021, which initially put it up against the next Spider-Man Homecoming movie from the MCU. Those were initially going to be released like three weeks apart. With that move, but because of that, Sony also moved uh, the next Spider-Man film. That's moved from July 16th, 2021 to November 5th. But because they did that, that affected the Doctor Strange release date because that was supposed to come out on November 5th of 2021. That movie will now be coming out on March 25th of 2022, giving us five MCU movies in 2022. (laughs) Those five movies being Thor, Love, and Thunder, which actually moved up a a week from February 18th to February 11th, I imagine to give it more space in between itself and Doctor Mm -hmm. Strange Mm -hmm. in the Multiverse of Madness. And then we're also supposed to get Black Panther 2 in May, Captain Marvel 2 in July, and the untitled October release that they have scheduled, which has been long rumored to be Blade. Will we get five MCU movies in 2022? Will this hold, or will they eventually shift some things around? It's, it's all up to Rona. It's all up to Miss Rona. Out of their hands at this point, right? Out of their hands. They're just playing. They're just going with the flow. I will say that if this were to hold, like if things were to clear up tomorrow miraculously, and th- and if this were to hold five movies in 2022 on top of Disney+, Plus, whatever they have coming that year, there would be like one MCU property a month in 2022, if that were the case. Lit. Which would be insane. I don't even know if we can handle that. Insane. But shit's crazy, man. Uh, The last big one that we just found out about, John Wick 4, got pushed back one whole year from May 2021 to May 27th, 2022. We will no longer get Keanu Day in May of 2021. Initially, John Wick 4 and The Matrix 4 um, shared the same dates, but no longer. That was going to be cool. Um, that was going to be a great day. That would have been the the best doubleheader ever, right? Yep. But no longer. Um, John Wick 4 is now coming out a year later. It's just fucking everything up, man. Everything. But it gives me more time for Marvel to hit me up so I can be Young Blade. I'm, y'all, 
Y'all only need me for like 10 minutes, dog. That's all, oh, that's all you need. I can play like a young Mahershala. Yeah, I can play a young Mahershala. Come on, man. You kind of be like uh, the little boy who played young Killmonger, Black Panther, like that that opening, <laughs> the yeah. opening sort of prologue. You there for mm-hmm. kind of ten minutes. They just need you for a couple of days, and yeah. you good, right? That's it. And then they can bring me back in another another whole another movie where they, you know, <laughs> maybe travel back in time. And then I'm Young Blade. The whole movie, I'm like a young Avenger, but I'm Blade. Interesting. That's so funny. I mean, we've 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 already got the older version of you, so now <laughs> now now they just got to find you, right? Mm-hmm, um, exactly. That's funny. So. Yeah, more time for that indeed. Um, things are being pushed and constantly rotated. Just wanted to update y'all about that in the world of movies. Um, and, you know, sort of continuing on with some more unfortunate news. Um, a legendary actor has passed away. Um, Irfan Khan um, died just recently at the age of 53. He died on April 29th, um, just a couple of days ago. Due to a colon infection, um, we know that a, a few years ago he actually came out and... and um, told you know essentially the world that he he was diagnosed with cancer Mm -hmm. um so unfortunately uh, i'm sure he probably has been dealing with pain for a few years now and he's kind of been suffering but he um he just recently passed away um if you don't know irfan khan he's uh again he's a legendary actor has had a career that spanned 30 plus years he's worked in the hindi british and american film industries yeah um he's been all over um, in terms of American films, you might know know him from The Amazing Spider-Man, Life of Pi, Jurassic World. Um, he really got his uh, his big sort of break in the American film industry with uh, Slumdog Millionaire, that um, which yeah. yeah, which was a huge movie. So um, we lost him recently, and as of 2017, this was actually interesting that I found um, his films collectively have grossed 3.6 billion dollars at the worldwide box office. I'm so, sure half of that is Jurassic World. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, so he he's actually a bankable star, man, and he's again he's been around for a long time and worked mm-hmm. all over the world. I mean, we just lost him recently, but you know, just wanted to point him out and pay some respects to him, and you know, send him send him you know a rest in peace for for everything he contributed to the industry. Um, a lot of movies, man. He has, he has his his filmography is quite extensive. But I mean, again, you know, you work in Bollywood. You know, he he gained yeah. a lot of his popularity there, mm-hmm. um, which Bollywood is like the second or third biggest film industry in the world at this point. So, yep. definitely, just wanted to pay our respects to Irfan Khan, lost a legend recently um, with him. So, well wishes and you know our thoughts and condolences to his uh, his family. Yeah, man, that's it. Um, I guess to conclude off this week, man, uh, we talked about this last episode, um, and it has since premiered. The Last Dance yep. is out and has been consumed by the world. We've gotten, thus far as of this recording, we've gotten four episodes. Uh, episodes five and six are on the way, but up until this point, man, um, what are your thoughts on The Last Dance and what we've seen from this Michael Jordan and this Chicago Bulls documentary? I'm having a great time. Uh, I don't know if you're having a great time, but uh, Last Dance has uh, truly been, I guess, uh, what I expected in a way, right? Like a lot of, um, a lot of uh, peeks into you know the thoughts and the history of what really formed uh, the successful Bulls team, um, and we're hearing a lot from you know the the very important players like Michael Jordan, like Scottie Pippen, like uh, Dennis Rodman on what it felt at that time and what they were really going through at certain times, right? Where like. Uh, we've seen it from a media perspective. Now we finally get to see it from their perspective. Um, it's been great to watch. Very entertaining. Uh, I, I learn every single episode, right? Almost everything they say, I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that either. 
Um, and I think that's really what it's all about. Um, I'm enjoying myself, man. What about you? 100% agreed. It's been the highlight of my Sundays. I mm-hmm. look forward to it every week. We've gotten some some revelations and, you know, even revisiting some things that you might have forgotten about. I think some of the notable highlights for me, um, episode two, um, or no, excuse me, not even episode two, episode three, uh, focusing on those bad boy Pistons teams boy. that Jordan faced. Oh, my um, goodness. We know all about the Jordan rules and how much he was getting slapped around and beat up on the court. Uh, it's always fun to see. Both sides talk about those times, right? Like yeah. you get Michael Jordan talking about how much he still hates them to this day. Mm-hmm. You get Isaiah Thomas justifying them walking off the court, not shaking their hands, yep. um, and bringing up that whole thing with the Celtics and how that happened to them years before. Yeah, that was all you know, really amazing stuff. We've seen the sort of the trials of Scottie Pippen and everything he was going through and how he was grossly underpaid for such a long bro, time. That, that, uh, that kind of pissed me off a little bit, bro. You're like arguably people people at that time was arguably putting him as probably maybe the second best player in the league, right? Right. And then you you're getting paid like a hundred and tenth or something crazy. That in has to that has to piss you off, you know? Yeah. And has he was he was uh getting like the sixth highest on the Bulls team even. So it wasn't even like he was getting the second highest. Like Dennis Rodman was ahead of him, you right. know, getting more getting more money. Ron Harper was ahead of him getting Ron more money Harper. during that time. Crazy so man. he he was getting really screwed because he signed that that long term deal. And, you know, Bulls owner told him, like, you shouldn't sign this deal. But for him to come from where he came from, um, I think at that time, you know, security was more important to him than, you know, really trying to fight for more money and what he what he's really worth that we know him to be worth. Um but he was, you know, really kind of fighting for financial security because he came from nothing and he wanted yeah. to really support his family and bank on that. And he had injury issues that, that plagued him. And then we see what happens in this last season that they're documenting. He didn't play the first like 35 games and that mm-hmm, caused dra- mm-hmm. drama. Um, but of course, I think I think everybody's favorite part thus far has to have been the Dennis Rodman episode, it, right? Everything with Dennis Rodman is the greatest because oh man, he, he's so eccentric. Of course, um, it's interesting to see how he was. He wasn't even like that at the beginning, right? Like he's right. this really chill, innocent kid, and just just plays basketball at first, and yeah. then all of a sudden, there's a, a switch flips. First of all, I blame Madonna. <laughs> like Madonna. I swear, a switch flip as soon as he started hanging around Madonna. But, right. Um. You know, he just becomes this this character. And actually, one of my favorite um, aspects of that episode is really the amazing coaching of um, Phil Jackson. Of Phil Jackson, man, I don't know why yeah. I couldn't think of Phil Jackson. Of Phil mm-hmm. Jackson, right? Because a lot of coaches, um, they just see they put talent together on the court, right? But yeah. Phil Jackson was putting personalities together on the court, and he understood the person that Dennis Rodman was and coached him accordingly, which I know a lot of coaches don't do. And that's yeah. what make and you can't tell me that's not what makes him amazing, right? Like you know, we went through this whole stuff with Dennis Rodman. He's we're like he uh, they were talking about okay, you can go to Vegas for two days, and he went disappeared, right? And we know yeah, for we like know a that week. whole story for a week. And they had to go get him. Jordan went to go get him, um, and he comes back, and Phil Jackson's not even mad. Yeah, <laughs> he's just like we knew this was gonna happen. But now he's back and he's hard and he's working hard again. And that's crazy to like to even fathom as a coach how you even have that mentality, right? Because who, what coach wouldn't been pissed the whole time? For sure. And yeah, he just had a different level of patience 
um, ingeniousness almost um, that made Phil Jackson who he is. So that's another one of my favorite aspects of that episode for sure. Yeah, they. I mean, they talked about how you know um, after you know Mike and and Dennis went through like their initial struggle like when scotty was out you know and dennis had to like fill in and really step up and be like the number two player on the team Mm -hmm. they had a little situation and he said after after they resolved that they never had any other problems with dennis like he was straight narrow for the rest of the time and when he turned it on he always turned it on he never had a problem in practice or playing like he he would just get bored occasionally you know for him being the type of person that he is and you know to your credit and what you just said phil jackson uh, he, I think he understood that and said, like, you know, he needs this for whatever amount of time he needs it for. But when he comes back, I know he'll be ready. Um, there have been a lot of great, you know, things to co- come out of this 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 whole documentary so far. Some some instantly quotable lines. I mean, <laughs> Ron, Ron Harper, you know, talking about when they were facing when he was on Cleveland and they were facing mm-hmm. the Bulls that playoff spot, and they were talking about the shot. And how the coach decided to put Craig Elo to yeah. guard Jordan instead of Ron Harper, who was giving him problems. And Ron Harper just looked and said, yeah, whatever. Fuck that bullshit. Like, <laughs> do what you want. And they lost the game. They lost the game. Um, and, we, you know, of course, um, Horace Grant. Talking oh, about man. The Pistons. That's Funny. the biggest, biggest quote the whole thing. He said, straight up bitches. <laughs> <laughs> straight up bitches. Straight up that bitches. Is, I love that line. That's so perfect. I I, I'm it, so man. glad that they they they've for some somehow they they've gone through like FCC and like they've gotten all the clearances to air all of I the cussing on on a Disney network at that. Like it's hilarious. I um, love all of it, man. Yeah, the last dance has been incredible so far. We still got six episodes left. Um, these next couple of episodes, just to give like a quick preview, um, they're going to be covering um, the the ninety six. Um, or no, not 96, 92. They're going to cover the 92 Dream Team uh-huh. uh, from the Olympics and that whole situation. And we know ultimately Isaiah Thomas did not play on that 92 Dream Team when he was absolutely one of the best players in the league at that yeah. time. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Pistons and their whole image caused, you know, a lot of rifts in that. So they're going to talk about that. And then they're also going to do a spotlight episode on just Jordan's exploding popularity after he started winning those championships on that first three piece. So I'm yeah. sure they're going to talk about the shoes and the endorsements and all of those great things and how big of a superstar he became um in the 90s so really looking forward to those episodes tomorrow it's also become the biggest um the biggest espn original content since 2004 um their first week they averaged like over six million viewers um and it barely dropped in the second week they averaged like 5.9 million viewers so it's been a huge hit thus far i think people were clamoring for this documentary especially since there are no sports now so it's doing great can't wait to see what else happens i'm sure we'll continue to talk about it as we get more episodes but we still got three weeks left three sundays left to, to consume the last dance before we uh before we head to episode 10 so Looking forward to it. And with all of that said, man, I think that wraps us up for this week. Um, that's all we have to talk about on this week's episode, episode 20 of Two Black Nerds. Yes, sir. As always, man, we really appreciate y'all listening to us and tuning in each and every week uh, when we are able to come with you guys and talk about these new updates and these things like that. We hope everyone is continuing to stay safe and healthy. Uh, please continue to social distance. Do not rush this process because we will end up back at square one if you do. Yes. Um, do the best you can in terms of you know, food and stocking up and all of these different things. We know it's hard and rough out there. Wear a mask, wear gloves, do whatever you need to do. Take any precautions you need to take. Uh, we will weather the storm and be able to come back and, and be as normal as we can be after this. Um, but just continue to stay safe out there. And again, don't rush this process. 
and government get y'all fucking act together if you got to send out more money then do it <laughs> damn it do it and don't try to open stuff back up just because you don't want to send us money and abolish student debt <laughs> yes eliminate that too which i saw that there there is a proposal to now you know eliminate that i, I think i saw a proposal that they're pushing for at least thirty thousand dollars from everybody's debt to be eliminated so we'll see how that goes we will indeed see how that goes i hope it turns out pretty well man um we all need it for sure so one last announcement before we get out of here Issa Rae has again secured the bag as Insecure Season 5 has been greenlit by HBO. So shout out to Issa, shout out to all the Insecure fans out there. It's happening again. This time, I just hope it doesn't take us two years to get it. So uh, as per usual, man, it's been real. Uh, we appreciate y'all. We love y'all. Thank you so much again for tuning in. This has been Two Black Nerds. Where we're two black, too nerdy, and we out. Peace.